0: Funny. I'm gonna ask my parents with their accents how they say it actually. I was
1: I was also thinking because like you were, your parents, neither of them are yeah. you know American English speakers. Native yeah,
0: people. I'm gonna find yeah. out. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs> anyway, here we go off tangent. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Flexcher.
1: And I'm Rivke Silver. And this is Normal From Woman, the podcast where we embrace
0: the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal From Women is supported by Pom Pom Boutique. Pom Pom Boutique specializes in ladies and children's hosiery and accessories. You can call or text them at 216-203-6760 and follow them on Instagram at Pom Pom underscore C L E. Mention this sad and get 10% off of your purchase. Welcome back.
1: First of all, we'd like to thank all of our amazing listeners, for our warm welcome to the world of podcasting.
0: And thanks to all of you who have subscribed to Normal From Women. It's also been incredible watching our social media communities on Facebook and Instagram grow and being able to connect and interact with all of you over there. So thank you.
1: Today's episode is called How to Say No Without Feeling Guilty. There are so many situations in life where we have the option to embrace opportunities or reject them, to say yes to something where we give a little or a lot of ourselves, or to say no for whatever the reason. Setting boundaries is a really crucial key to healthy interpersonal relationships and emotional health, but sometimes it's so hard.
0: All of this resonates so much with me, Rifki. My mind is just spinning with examples right now. Uh, For my own life, of everything you said, and it really is so hard. Why is that?
1: <laughs> I think that we as humans have a desire to give, and often women who are mothers and wives are in a unique position to give because it's required of them to a certain extent. So often, we think of boundaries as cutting off the giving, and maybe even like we think that if we say no to something, it makes us look like we're incapable or less than, I also personally have worried that when I say no, people might be annoyed with me or they might think I'm mean or something, (laughs) but I think we need to reframe what saying no actually means, which I look forward to getting into more
0: in today's episode. This is so relevant and it's so important. Rifki, tell us more about what our listeners can expect to get out of the episode today. At the end
1: of today's episode, we hope you walk away with a clearer understanding of the importance of setting boundaries and how we actually do that. We have two guests on the episode, Jill Wolovitz, who'll be talking about boundaries when it comes to contributing to the community, and Sarah Hannah Radcliffe, who'll be
0: talking about boundaries in interpersonal relationships. And as usual, you'll be hearing from some normal firm woman about the topic. And we'll be sharing our takeaway so we can all think about how we can put today's ideas into practice in our daily lives. Okay, so let's jump right in. So we reached out to some friends
1: all very normal ones, of course, and ask them the following question. What is a time in your life that you wanted to say no, but you said yes because you felt too guilty to say no, and then you regretted it? And here is what they said. I don't know how it happened, but one of my sons convinced me to start driving him to school on certain days and picking him up on certain days, even though it wasn't my carpool day, because he said he didn't like climbing into the back of the cars. And... Um, Those were the days that the eighth graders had to sit in the back. So all of a sudden, I found myself driving like three or four times a week extra. And it was totally like I wasn't able to dive in in the morning first thing. And in the afternoon, I was rushed to make dinner because I was running out to do this extra carpool. And I was like making him happy. But in the end, it was like not okay for my family and so I had to like tell him I'm sorry I do carpool on you know these days and that's it and he
2: was upset but it's better now the only example I could think of is that this this summer uh, a friend of mine was trying to sell some beanie babies And I have so much on my plate, really more than I could juggle at the moment. But I said, sure, I'll help you sell the Beanie Babies. And it was just weighing on me all this for months because I had told her I was gonna help her and then I really couldn't. And then I said to a friend of mine, maybe you wanna help her, it's a little extra cash. I asked my husband to do it. And then ultimately, probably six months after I spoke to my friend, um, I met her and she said, oh, I found someone to sell the Beanie Babies for me. She's really into Beanie Babies for me and she's really excited about it. And so I was let off the hook in the most non-confrontational way. But I realized then that it was ridiculous of me to even agree or to offer to help when I couldn't help her at all. Like There was just not enough hours in the day to do the things that um, I am actually responsible for. So it was just a clear lesson to me that before I say yes, or even when I want to say yes, to really stop and take stock and say, can I, should I, do I want to?
0: I used to always say yes when people would call me who wanted to talk or were having an issue they wanted to work through. And then I would always regret
1: spending so much time and energy, especially if it was someone who was very difficult or demanding. But then I started realizing that just like those people need my time and energy, I also need my own time and energy, and
0: I'm also a person who
1: deserves that. So I was able to start saying no to some of those things. There are times, of course, when we want to say no, but when we say yes, we are actually stretching our chesed muscles and we're so grateful in the end that we did push ourselves. I want to be very clear on that distinction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking definitely of examples of that as well. It really is a trial and error process where we can't say no to everything, but we also shouldn't say yes to everything. We just have to figure out like where those boundaries are. And something that I learned um, through some volunteering experiences when I enjoyed them and loved them and they gained or they gave so much to my life, but then I had to say no next. I learned just because I can doesn't mean I should. So, And that is, important. yeah, <laughs> yep. That's sort of like a mantra that I remind myself like, oh, I want to do this or I can do this and I can lend, you know, some, some, talent or expertise or a time to it but wait a minute that doesn't mean that I should be doing this Mm -hmm. so I love this idea that also you can still learn something from an experience even if it's just that you learn not to do it again
1: (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) okay so why are boundaries so important why do we need them and
0: let's please talk about why they're so hard to set sometimes (laughs)
1: So I have found that I struggle the most with boundaries when there's gray area. Like if someone asks me to do something that's clearly out of my skill set, they're like, you know, Rivki, can you build a car for me? Okay, so that's easy to say no to. Like, obviously, (laughs) I can't do that. If my, if my child asks me if they can eat a whole chocolate cake before dinner, that is easy to say no to. Okay, are these real life examples? <laughs> these, are, these are hypotheticals. <laughs> but I get into trouble when I'm not sure if saying no is really necessary. Like when it is in that gray area. Uh-huh. We, have, we have a rule in our house that um, all the homework needs to be finished before anyone can do screen time. So is it really necessary? What if they have 75% of their homework and 25% still needs to be done. So can I stretch the rules and then let them do it afterwards? What if they want to do screen time that's educational right after school? Mm. So does that count? And so then whenever I'm feeling these like completely like mundane questions for my kids, I would get like paralyzed with um, not, not being sure of where that boundary was. Like if I said yes, does that mean that I'm being inconsistent? Or does it mean <laughs> that I'm being flexible? You know? Oh,
0: absolutely. And can I ask you, do you ever like have a thought? There seems to be like a school of thought. Like don't always say no. Like think about when your kid asks you something and do you, might automatically be like, no, but maybe you should think, is this so bad? Maybe say yes more often. And that plagues me all the time. Oh my gosh, Alex, that's so amazing that you said that because that is literally exactly the next thing I
1: wanted to talk about was the 80/20 rule. <laughs> Tell me about this. I am not familiar. I've seen it in a few different like parenting classes I've taken or books that I've read that you should have positive interactions with your loved ones 80% of the time, specifically your children. Positive interactions 80% of the time and negative 20% of the time. So saying no to something counts as a Uh, negative interaction because even if you're saying no for the best possible reasons you know it's right it still feels to the child like a negative interaction. I would try so hard to say yes as much as possible but then I would sometimes say yes but I would really have wanted to say no and then I would have all this conflict and then I would be like not the most calm mother in that situation because I was full of like conflict and um, I realized that I really needed to sit down and think about where were the boundaries, and to be really like at peace with myself and saying like it is okay if I say yes to this, and
0: it is okay if I say no to this. Can I ask you, the Sarah Hannah Radcliffe, who actually is our guest that we're like super excited to have? Did she ever write about this in Mishpacha? It's sort of ringing a bell. One hundred percent, she did. Yes, she okay. had that fantastic column. I also feel with
1: boundaries. I I'm a stay at home mom. And like, oh, you gave a little bit of your background in episode one, Alex. Let me just say a little bit about like where I am in my life stage. I am um, a mother of five children. My oldest is 12 and my youngest is a year and a half. So yes, also very lively in my house. Like, a little bit more lively. A little yeah, bit more lively. Yeah, yeah. It's more, more <laughs> little people, more little people. Um, but we're getting there. So, and I'm in, you know, I'm forties, so like that's my general whatever. Um, and I am a stay-at-home mom. So I feel like... I've had jobs here and there, I do freelance work, but all of the all of the jobs that I have don't necessarily require me to go out from like a nine to five kind of perspective. So it's not that I don't work, but my my work is very flexible. And because of this, because of this scheduling freedom that I have, so to speak, I, I feel a certain acharais to give to the community in ways that I know my friends who have nine to five jobs are not necessarily able to do. So I feel like whenever an organization or a person would ask me if I was able to do something in a volunteer capacity, I would almost always say yes, because I have such flexibility in my schedule. But then, of course, what, what do you imagine happened? When you say yes to things, what happens? More people ask you <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to join and to volunteer. And it really, you know, it's a pleasure. I have, like, again, I feel like it's not highest. If this is my life, then I need to do something with my time, even though I would love to just sit and eat bonbons, which I do also do (laughs) some time for self-care, but that's a different episode to talk about. And and play Candy Crush. And play Candy Crush. That is Mm -hmm. correct. (laughs) (laughs) With the bonbons. With the bonbons. I I don't know if I've ever actually eaten bonbons, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like I say that, but like I, whatever, I eat other chocolate. Anyways. Yeah. so, (laughs) So I would say yes, in theory, because I could do it, but then what would happen is that I would get so stretched out or I would, I would have things back to like volunteering, things back to back, and I would get burnt out and I wouldn't have enough energy to, you know, parent, to make dinner, things that are really fundamental responsibilities that I have at home. And I would be able to say to myself, well, it's just a one off. It's just an event. When the event is over, then it'll be fine. And I'll be able to be more, you know, organized at home and everything. And I also really felt it was important for the children to see me volunteering and to see me taking on communal responsibilities and to see that and they they liked it. They they thought it was cool that their mother w- was doing these things and like you know involved in running the challah and and whatever it was. They liked it. It also made them feel a little bit proud.
3: Mm-hmm. But at
1: the same time, as the needs of my family evolved, the flexibility that I had to volunteer changed. But I was a little slow in the uptake there, and I was still kind of volunteering at the same capacity. But the needs of my family were growing, and it it was challenging. You know, I think I became a less effective volunteer and I for sure became a less effective mother and wife. Mm
3: -hmm. So
1: at a certain point, I realized that when, when I started saying no to things, I was really just saying yes to being a more present and calmer mother and wife. (laughs) Wow. Now this may seem obvious to some people, but it was pretty mind blowing for me when I had that realization. I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm.
0: well, it's incredibly insightful. And I think you could only like, you have to come to that on your own. I'm going to say that one more time. You're saying that when you started saying no to things, you were actually just saying yes to other aspects of your life. It's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about your kids being proud and your kids enjoying it. I mean, I, you know, both of us have been involved with the Shabbos Project in various capacities and the first year that I was involved in it, um, You know, we brought we brought the Shabbos project and all Hallibake and all that sort of like a new level and was incredibly satisfying for me. And I, you know, I I I'm not gonna get into all the details. And anyone who knows me from that era knows how you know, how much I identify with the Shabbos Project, how much it means so much to me, even though I did step away from chairing it. But I will tell you, so I'm going to get a little bit bit vulnerable here Mm -hmm. because you know what? In a few minutes, we're going to be talking about Brene Brown. So if I'm going to quote her later, (laughs) I'm going to follow in her footsteps. But here's the vulnerability is I had... I was toying with the idea of not continuing because I had invested so much energy. I literally was like, I I have no idea how I'm going to pick this up again six months from now and redo all of this again. Yeah. This was some idea on my mind and I actually spoke to my two oldest kids about it. And I asked them about it. My daughter was like, love the idea that I was on the stage for the challah bake. She thought this was like the coolest thing, (laughs) but my oldest son who was in fifth grade at the time I'm like, do you think I should do it again? And he turned around to me and he said, no, I don't think you should do it again. Oh, wow. <sighs> yep. Wow. And I knew. And by the way, this was like literally six months of my life. And, and that is a significant time. And I right. really, really tried to balance home and work, you know, work. This is, you know, yeah. yes, it was, you it know, work, it, for sure. it was, I, I'm not going to get into all the details of why it's considered work, but yes, this was considered work. <laughs> and, um, this wasn't a situation where I had to do it. Like it was a full-time job or steady income. You know, this was, right. was more like a side thing. So right. I had the luxury to turn around, turn away from it. But um, that was, that was like eye opening. And if one does have the ability to step away from a volunteer project, which I hope everyone does have that power in their hand that no one feels forced or anything like that right. um, to sort of see and, and, you know, ask those who we love, who are living in the home with us, like, did this feel like it was too much to you? And that, that was pretty humbling. So I love, I love Brene Brown, and I cannot wait to hear what you are going to share.
1: that she Okay, says. great.
0: <laughs> Before I share with her, I just would like to, to make a disclaimer, um, that when we talk about like volunteering, and we're going to get more into this a little bit later with Joe Olivets, our communities really emphasize um, chesed, and you know giving to those in need in our community and it really has nothing to do with how much you work outside the house how much you work inside the house it is a general value for everyone yes I'm so glad you're bringing this up Alex okay good Um, why I'm curious if you what is resonating about this idea to you
1: well, I mean, I'm just think, I'm just thinking like, Olam chesed you know, the world is founded on chesed and we are all constantly doing chesed all the time. It's one of the most beautiful things about the Jewish community. When we moved to Cleveland, someone noticed that a young from couple had moved into the community and they sent us dinner for two weeks. They didn't know us. We didn't know them, but like we had this stream of food coming. And I was like, this is just chesed. This is what we do. We give to each other and whatever it is, if it's, you know, starting a gamach, so some people run Gemachim, so many people make meals for each other, or they, or they just, you know, have people for Shabbos is a chesed. Oh, that's Hachim. I'm getting my mitzvahs confused. But, but that's um, a chesed. What do you it mean is
0: a of course, it's a chesed. <laughs> it's
1: a we it's, haven't right, done it's, it it's in so long. It's a twofer. <laughs> twofer. That's true. <laughs> when we do chesed, uh, you know, we're emulating Hashem is what we're doing, right? That's We're supposed to do chesed. It makes us grow. It makes us improve as people. It makes us more empathetic to each other. It gets us out of our own heads and whatever is going on in our own life and to look out and to to, and to give we you know we all have times in our life where we are more takers and we have times in our life when we're more givers and mm-hmm. everyone has their own ratio depending on whatever hashem has decreed for them in their life and so it, the question of are you going to do chesed and are you going to volunteer and are you going to be a giver like that, it's not really even a question it's really how do you do it in a way
0: that is the healthiest for you beautiful and how does it drive with your schedule you know yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and not to neg- not to neglect and not to forget that chesed counts to those people in your home. So even if you do not have time to drop off the new meal or to volunteer for Beaker Cholam or to start a new gamach in your community, everything that we do for those of us in our families, our parents, our siblings, our children, our spouses, Hashem Counts out as chesed. I think I I don't know 100%. if I have the shoulders to say that or not. No. So we don't have to be out there, you know, it's true. we don't have to be yeah. out there. Exactly. Okay, okay. amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. So the question now we need to start thinking about is why is it so hard to set boundaries um why is it so hard to say no okay and um i picked up renee brown's book Daring greatly and i've read half of it okay honestly (laughs) I have not, even though it's incredible, like life happens. I think I saw him halfway through. Wait, this is authenticity. I, say again? This is authenticity. Authenticity. So yeah. So she clearly taught me a lot in that first half of the book, but I knew <laughs> if I looked in, in the index that she would have something about boundaries. And of course, Brene did not, did not disappoint. She said the reason why setting boundaries is so hard to do is because we connect worthiness with boundaries. Wow. And the way she said it is, quote, we have to believe we are enough to say enough. Now, is this not a gem? Well, wow. So meaning someone says to you, um, you know, I need volunteers. We're dropping. I have a friend who drops off bagels to Beaker Holm downtown at a hospital, okay, once wow. a week. It's a big deal. It takes 30 minutes to get there. You have to get the parking is a nightmare. You have to get in the building. I mean, that could take a good hour and a half out of your day. And, and she picks up the bagels, okay? Incredible. Now, let's say someone asks you to do that. And we want to say no. Let's just say for whatever reasons, we're not able to fit it into our schedule. But all of a sudden we start thinking, wait a minute. If I say no, am I worthy enough? Does this, is this going to reflect on my- um, Like your intrinsic value? Yes, my intrinsic value. Wow. And we tie up these two ideas, and then we go down the wrong road. Honestly, when we when we say yes for the wrong reasons, because and we it's coming from a place of deep insecurity. And then everyone so, suffers. Yeah. I mean, we all and suffer. And then everyone <laughs> suffers. Then everyone <laughs> suffers. So so really, she's saying like, stop thinking about saying no as um, an indication of our lack of worthiness. It has nothing to do with that. And I'm going to quote because she she says it so so wonderfully. She said, for women, setting boundaries is difficult because the shame gremlins are quick to weigh in. Careful saying no, you'll really disappoint these folks. Like, don't let them down. Be a good girl. Make everyone happy. Okay, how is she inside my head? <laughs> crazy? It's so and it's cool. like, be a good girl. Like, be a mitzvah girl. Do the best right? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so here's what she says for men, even though this is normal for women, I really hope we have some men listeners, who knows, in our audience. We do, according to our stats. And well, for the women who have men in their lives, she says, for men, the gremlins whisper, man up, a real guy could take this on and then some. Is the little mama's boy just too tired? Oh, wow. (gasps) Yeah, so she says that when we say no, we are literally engaging with our vulnerability. And that's why it's so hard. And it's so insightful. She said, um that we can't do that. We can't engage in our vulnerability and we can't say no if we feel shame or guilt. It's so, so complicated. complicated. So important. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll close um, with the, this overarching idea. And this is that quote, living a connected life ultimately is about setting boundaries, spending less time and energy hustling, yikes, mm-hmm. and, winning, and winning over people who don't matter. And seeing the value of working on cultivating connection with family and friends. So I, I like this idea of like we're all trying to live connected lives. Yes. And I think like the ultimate connection is we have to be connected to ourself and we have to be healthy with ourselves. So to achieve that, it's setting boundaries, spending less time and energy hustling because sometimes we do things for the wrong reasons, and we're just like all over there giving to everyone, every place. And when she says winning over people who don't matter, I mean that even resonates. Not that the Beaker holem doesn't matter. Not of that the person, not. right? Yeah, like, show no, but. Khasa
1: But it's like, yeah, we have to be honest with ourselves about, like, is is that like is that where we're supposed to be putting our energies right now, or what? What is like? It's like triage, you know? What is mm-hmm. the most important? What is the most important relationship right now? What is the most <laughs> important value right now? You know? Yes,
0: <laughs> right. Because if you're the kids are losing out. It's, is it the kids or is it the lady at Beaker Holum who calls you? Who is the most important person there? And yes, at that point, that lady doesn't matter. It's a huge, like very difficult process of prioritizing. And
1: and the thing is, and this is something that always gets me is that like, I know when I'm saying no, then they have to do, they have to do the effort to find someone else which is, it's not easy work finding volunteers. I've been in the position of having to find volunteers for things before. It is hard work. Mm -hmm. But something that I have tried to do, and now that I'm saying it out loud, I realize that I need to try harder, is that when I say no to something, sometimes I like to give a suggestion of, oh, but what about so-and-so? You know, when we say, when we have to say no to something because... We have to say no to it, and that is where our boundary is, and we're respecting our own boundary. That doesn't mean that we can't still
0: like throw a bone to the person who now has to go find someone else. That is an amazing suggestion, and that is a chesed. Look at that! Like turn oh. around with another chesed. Oh. That's such amazing. a kind thing to do. Oh, cool. someone just did that for me. Actually, I yeah. wanted her to watch my guinea pig, <laughs> and she said, <laughs> "I forgot you had I'm a so guinea lady. pig." <laughs> yeah, we have a guinea pig, and she said, "I'm so sorry, I can't do it." The next thing I know, she sends me a message. I found someone to watch your guinea pig. I'm like, you are the nicest person in the world. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Like a little See, thing.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just because we say no, doesn't mean we have to stop caring about the person that we had to say no to. It just means mm-hmm. that we had to say no.
0: <laughs> because we had to say yes to something else. Exactly. And to wrap, wrap this up, A Brown says, ultimately saying no is going to be a value call. Wow. Love it. Mm-hmm. Pretty deep stuff. Who knew She's... saying no meant so much? <laughs> <laughs> to get the take on setting
1: boundaries when it comes to volunteering in the community, we reached out to Jill Wolovitz for her unique perspective as both a, as both a social worker and as someone who runs a school-based volunteer program. So here's what Jill has to say.
4: My name is Jill Wallowitz. I was asked to share with you my thoughts on setting boundaries in terms of volunteering in the community. I'm a clinical social worker in private practice. I'm also the founder and director of a Bigs and Littles mentoring program for the Hebrew Academy Day School. This is a mainstream prevention program matching girls ages 8 to 16 with mentors, role models who need, meet with them once a week or twice a month. These mentors are high school students, college students, and young married mothers who are all volunteers. I'm going to address what are healthy boundaries? What are unhealthy boundaries? And how do we, as working or non working mothers, balance our volunteer work in the community and still remain sane and focused on our family? Many of us volunteer because we have a passion for a chesed and want to make a difference. While we often go in with the best of intentions and we don't always have a clear understanding of our roles and responsibilities, And most importantly, we forget about boundaries. Actually, just sitting down preparing for this podcast, I took time away from my family. It wasn't easy setting limits once I started passionately working on this. I had to consciously stop and reevaluate. How much time do I want to give this? What time of day should I do this? And who needs me and when? What is a healthy boundary? In order to set limits for communal work, I believe one has to first set boundaries for oneself and focus on self-care. A healthy boundary is being able to set limits and communicate what you can and cannot do. We set boundaries for ourselves when we love and respect ourselves to keep us safe and healthy. Boundaries keep our lives running smoothly. It's such a struggle for many women balancing communal commitments and family. It's really special to get involved in communal projects. And many people lose themselves in the process of giving and get many accolades for their work. Commendable, okay. However, if your family is suffering or feeling the effects of a mother not being focused on her role, then we need to reevaluate. Healthy boundaries starts with nurturing yourself first, so then you have energy to nurture others, your family, and then the community. How does one nurture oneself? Make self-care a priority. Find time for yourself and appreciate your qualities so you can be a better you, a better wife, and a better mother, and a better volunteer. If you can't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone else around you. This can translate into unhealthy boundaries. When we put ourselves' needs before our own, put, sorry, when we put others' needs before our own, we often sacrifice self-care because we're too busy trying to do for others. Rav Hillel said, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Rab Hillel teaches us a hierarchy of responsibility. Our commitment to ourselves is primary. We cannot volunteer or be effective community leaders if we are not caring for ourselves. However, if we only care for ourselves, who are we? Says Rab Hillel. It is our role in this world to give to others and to emulate Hashem. Giving to others is such a vital part of our lives, and it should be, and we should teach this to our children, but more importantly to teach to our children is self-respect and to be honest with ourselves and our stage of life and our daily demands. We have to identify what we can and cannot do, and that is a lesson to our children in a very deep way. Setting boundaries, I believe, is a vital piece of doing chesed. Looking back when my kids were younger, I remember wondering and looking at others in the community and saying, how do how they manage to do so much more than I can do? How can they do so much chesed and I haven't got the time? Or I can't make the time? You know, we have to be honest with ourselves and know what we can and cannot do. Have to know what we are capable of doing and we're capable of giving at what time of our lives. Setting good limits and overdoing things and not overdoing things, we have to be very clear. If someone is asking you to do something at a time that's not convenient, you need to be able to say no. That's a healthy boundary. When I interview potential volunteers for my program, I always take into account their needs, lifestyle and time restraints. I tell all big sisters, you have one hour with your little, don't go over that time. Setting time limits helps in building good relationships. As a therapist, my patients know that the session is 50 minutes. The therapeutic hour also sets psychological boundaries for me and my patients. Unhealthy boundaries is overcommitment and making family come second and volunteering first. Our needs to do research should not supersede family needs. So in conclusion, volunteering is a vital part of our lives for those receiving and for those giving. However, one always needs to balance what we can and cannot do and to be honest with oneself. And I would like to end with a quote from Viktor Frankl that Dr. Edith Eger in her book, The Choice Quotes, it did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. In my opinion, life expects us to be honest with ourselves and to be good role models for our family.
0: Wow. Well, that was really great. Um, I really want to share just a few pieces that I took away from this. Number one, I love how she explains that with healthy boundaries, you have to communicate what you can and cannot do. It's yeah. about communication. So, um and she said that furthermore, that's a lesson for our children. It's that's what we need to teach our children that, you know, if if you have a project, or you have something coming up, or a yes or a no, that you need to decide, it's okay to say, this I can do, and this part I can't do. So I love that. And just one more idea that that really resonated is she said that not taking care of yourself can translate into unhealthy boundaries. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just wow. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was just sort of this like light bulb that that is what unhealthy boundaries are often about. It's about when we don't take care of ourselves as a result of it. And the reason Jill said is because we're putting other people's needs before our own.
1: Absolutely. It's so powerful. You know, I, I consider Jill a role model. So for me, when she shared how she used to look at people and wonder how they contributed so much, it was a really powerful lesson to me that everyone is human. I mean, I've Thought the same thing about her, you know, like how does she do it all? (laughs) Exactly. Right? So for me, it was a reminder that I shouldn't worry about what other people are doing, but rather to be realistic about what I can do and the situation that I have in my life right now with my abilities, with my strengths, and
0: with my time. When we talk about saying no, it applies to both interpersonal relationships and communal boundaries, and the intersection of both. So we've asked psychologists, best-selling author of multiple books on parenting and a regular columnist in Family First, Sarah Hannah Radcliffe, to share a little about the importance of setting boundaries in interpersonal relationships. Here's what she had to say.
5: Saying no is such an important life skill. So let's look at a couple of types of no's that we might have to say. Um, there's a type that would be good for the person that we're saying it to, and this often comes up in family life. So we're going to say no to a child. For example, uh, no, you can't have more candy right now. That's, That's clearly in the child's interest for her teeth or her health or whatever it is. And, you know, that no is another way of saying I love you, okay? I'm willing to protect you. I'm willing to face the discomfort of your disapproval for that answer because I know that I'm taking care of you and I'm doing the right thing. So we actually can have a slightly good feeling about doing the right thing and having the courage to do the right thing for our loved ones um, and being willing to face their lack of understanding and appreciation of that, uh, especially when they're little, but um, not being afraid of that. So we need to strengthen ourselves for that type of no. And in fact, when we can't say no when it is the right thing, there's a slightly bad feeling we get. We know, that's where the guilt comes in, where we know that we're copping out, we're serving ourselves rather than the child in that moment because we don't want to deal with the child's disapproval or disappointment. So that kind of no um, hurts us and hurts the child at the same time. We need to get the feeling inside of ourselves, our gut feeling, about whether a no is the right thing for us. So then there's the no that is purely the right thing for us. And that can be an example of that would be saying to a child, no, I can't drive you to the store right now. And that's, you know, you don't have to give a reason necessarily, although you might out of courtesy give a brief reason, but we're not inviting discussion or argument. We're just saying, I'm not doing that. And the um, reason I might not be doing it is because I'm tired, okay? (laughs) And I don't have to go right now. I can go when I have more energy and when it won't drain me to the point where I can't function or my health is impaired or my mood will be impaired or actually I'm going to end up resenting you this is a protective no that actually protects us it says you know, that we're important And it also protects other people from our resentment. It's not their fault if we don't have any backbone. (laughs) So, um, you know, but in the end, we're going to be mad at them for what we felt was cornering us or forcing us to, to say yes or laying guilt on us or something. Really, it's our own fault if we will not take the time, the effort, the energy to take care of ourselves. That is our personal responsibility. And for this type of no, I like to picture a lineup of people who want things from us. So there might be a neighbor, there might be a spouse, there might be six kids, there might be a parent, there might be a sister, a sister-in-law, who knows, a whole lineup of people. Maybe there's even a stranger, (laughs) you know, in that lineup. And they all want something. And... Because we're such good people, we and we want um, to do good things, and we also want to be liked and appreciated. And for a lot of different reasons, we might say yes, yes to you, and yes to you, and yes to you, and yes to you, and yes to you. And picture this long lineup. Okay, um, at the end of that lineup is ourselves, um, you know, who also needs a little bit of a yes yes, to resting, yes, to recreation, to re-energizing, to restoring, right? It's that little picture, a little image of you at the end of this long, long lineup with eager eyes. But to her, you say no, okay? And then the lineup, you go to the beginning of the lineup, and there's more requests. So you're saying yes again to your spouse, yes again to each child, yes again to the neighbor, yes again to the friend, yes again to your parents yes again to your siblings yes 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 you get to the end of the lineup and there's that little you hoping most this time maybe she's going to get a yes but you say to her no maybe another time because they're calling me and then you continue to say yes to your employer yes to your colleagues yes to the community yes to and so on all the way down and finally you get to this one at the end you say no to her again so you know what she does (laughs) She says at some point when you keep doing this, that's it, okay? I'm finished with you. And she lies down and will not move, okay? Um, perhaps she co- collapses actually in complete exhaustion or in complete depression or in rage, but that's it. She's not doing anything for anybody for a long, long time. This is what happens if we say no to the little you at the end of the lineup again and again and again, right? Now, it doesn't matter, actually, that she's the last one in line. She just has to be in line, and you have to say yes to her, just like you say yes to everyone else. So that, um, if you don't, that part will backfire against you eventually, and we enter very unhealthy states of mind and body as a result. Um, There's another final type of no where it's good for you and good for the person um, that you're saying it to like um, no to your child, let's say to your teenager, I cannot get you that uh, $800 jacket. It's good for you because you're not spending more than you can afford and you feel good about staying within your budget and good for the child in the sense that she understands that there is a budget that she's learning that the answer isn't always yes just because you wanted you know there's there's other factors that to consider and so it's educational and beneficial to the child again we always have to be okay with people being disappointed and um, we you know it's not like you're always saying no to everybody right (laughs) you're saying yes as often as you can but when you need to say no you can feel very good about the life-giving properties of that word, so protective, so healthy, so appropriate for so many occasions. Try to feel good <laughs> and, and check inside, and you will find that good feeling about the right no at the right time.
1: So wise and so relatable. I am so grateful that she gave us these gems. Um, something that I love it- from what you said, was the idea of a protective no, the no that protects us, but that also protects other people from our resentment. I could Mm -hmm. really relate to that. And then also the idea of including ourselves in the lineup of people who need things from us and how when we're so busy saying yes to everyone else, we're constantly saying no to ourselves and how important it is to say yes to ourselves too. Like just what a visual of that line of people and how like, you know, we're often at the end of it. And she said, it's okay to be at the end of the line as long as you are saying yes when you do get around to yourself.
0: Yes, I also really, really like that part envisioning that line of people and then you're at the end. Um, what I, I really appreciated about what Sarah Khanna said is how that there are different types of nose. And that was really what her whole entire piece was, is mm-hmm. categorizing that. And and those nose are good for you. And they're also good for your child. I like the parenting piece here. So it's okay and you need to, you, we need to be okay when people are disappointed, whether it's our children that are disappointed because we said no, or it's because of some head of a committee that's disappointed. And boundaries is about being okay with that. Um, and finally, just one little line. She said, we really need to appreciate the life giving properties of the word no. Is that beautiful, Risky? It's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah. Was, like what a
1: positive spin on something that I feel like I have a knee-jerk negative reaction to and it puts in such a beautiful positive light
0: yes because I feel like I'm getting messages often of like say yes say yes don't say no so much like if you can say yes say yes and she did say that with parenting it is good to say yes but when we it's sort of I feel like we can lean to that as an extreme and forget that no saying no actually has life-giving properties it's actually healthy for everyone exactly Okay, so here's the takeaway for today's episode. We want you to identify something that's precious to you and precious in your life and create one boundary to protect it. And we also want you to reframe the way you think
1: about saying no and realize that you are actually saying yes to something that you value more.
0: Now it's time for five questions with a normal from woman. At the end of every episode, we introduce you to a normal from woman. We asked the same set of five questions to each woman. Today, we'll be hearing from Sarah Rena granco from Cleveland. Can you fall asleep with the dishes in your sink?
3: Yes, I can fall asleep with dishes in my sink. If you would have asked me this question a few years ago, it would have been a hard no. And then a few years later, it would have been like, oh yeah, but it's kind of hard for me. And now I can absolutely fall asleep with dishes in my sink.
1: What's your favorite mitzvah? And why?
3: My favorite mitzvah, I would say, is Shabbos. That's just what, you know, my gut reaction when I think about it, Um, just go straight to Shabbos. (laughs) Um, You know, there's obviously just that getting through the week, and I always say I don't know what I would do without Shabbos and counting down the days, Um, and not that it doesn't come with its own stresses, I guess, in a way, but, um, you know, just that peacefulness that really, I just, when, you know, Shabbos is here, that peacefulness that just comes, it's just, I love it and I really look forward to it. What do you do to recharge? To recharge, um, I sleep. (laughs) I need my sleep. That's physically, at least, to physically recharge. Um, And lately, you know, I've been feeling just the craziness of life. Um, You know, spirituality has just kind of fallen by the wayside in my life and I've always loved music and singing and I lately have found that that really um, helps me connect to that deeper part of me um and so i have also you know i do try to also spend some time with with you know sitting at the piano and singing and um I, I i love music too so i i try to spend some time recharging in that sense as well what part of your personality do you love the part of my personality that i love i think would be my sensitivity um i think i i have an ability to to kind of be in tune to other people and what they're feeling and experiencing. Um, And I think that's actually been really powerful for me in motherhood. Um, And I think it, I think it enables me to be a good friend.
0: What do you think the from world needs more of?
3: Okay. What do I think the from world needs more of? So to be honest, I, every time I thought of an answer to this question, I came up with something of what it needs less of, (laughs) And I imagine you probably worded the question purposely this way to have it less negative and more positive. What do we need more of? So after just thinking and thinking, to be honest and to sound totally cliche, I think we need more love and acceptance and just being okay with who everybody is and loving and embracing and growing and being who we are together.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you liked this episode and we really, really enjoyed putting it together for you. Rifke and I would really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review our podcast. All the links and references we made in the podcast today can be found in the episode notes. If you have any suggestions,
1: feedback, or just want to say hi, you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com and normalfromwomen can be found on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please tell all your friends and family about our podcast.
3: See you next episode.